took it as a job where I had to be consistent on a daily basis, even if I was motivated or not. I think one of the things of being disciplined, you know, regardless of how you feel, regardless of all the ups and downs that you face, that you stay consistent throughout your schedule. That clip is from our guest, Paige McPherson, the very first guest of season two of Behind the Sweat. I am your host, Alex Weissner, athlete, coach, and entrepreneur. This is a podcast, if you're new here, <laughs> um, this is a podcast where we sit down with athletes as they share their stories and we chat about what it means to be an athlete and kind of how they got to where they are today. This season, I'm sitting down with athletes as they set their sights on Tokyo for the Olympics and Paralympic Games. I think we can all say we've been anxious, I can't talk, anxiously waiting for these games for the past year. And really talking with these athletes, sitting down and seeing how they've handled this past year and what that kind of means for them as they are preparing for Olympic trials and even just making that team and knowing that they for sure have a spot in Tokyo. So we've got some great people lined up for the season. I'm so excited for you to hear what we've been working on. Um, but today, yeah, we've got Paige here to chat with us. So Paige is a three-time Olympian and the 2012 bronze medalist in Taekwondo. She has been a member of the U.S. national team for 10 consecutive years. Wow, that is a very long time. Um this was such a fun conversation, and we covered it all from her childhood to making her fir- first Olympics. I felt so inspired by this incredible woman, and I'm so excited to have her on as our first guest for season two. And thank you to you all for tuning in today. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating and review, and be sure to tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening, and please connect with the podcast on Instagram at Behind the Sweat Pod. And here is my conversation with Olympian Paige McPherson. Welcome to the podcast. Um, we'd love to t- for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you um, for having me here. I'm super excited. So my journey kind of started off in Sturgis, South Dakota. I was adopted when I was four days old um, from a family of five adoptees. My, my family and I, we were called the Rainbow Family living <laughs> in the Midwest area. And because of that um two of my siblings were native part native american my eldest one of my eldest brothers was korean um and my younger sister is from saint lucia and i was the filipino um african-american one and the reason why i started taekwondo was firstly because of my older brother kevin who's korean and he started it because my parents wanted him to know about his culture. And then I was the little sister that was literally his shadow. I wanted to do everything that he did. And overall, throughout the my childhood, it was just really like a family thing. We go on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, you know, just essentially um, just family bonding. And just my instructor one year randomly decided for us to go to a state tournament and we had we weren't necessarily competitive at that time and we just wanted to do something out of the ordinary and so we went to this state tournament and we did really well I won so because I had won 
um, that small step kind of led me to being qualified for nationals. Well, if you're invited to nationals, you can't say no, right? So we started to extend our days throughout the week and competing and training. And my instructor, you know, he's, he was, this was all new to him. This was all new to us, you know, a small town girl, you know, fighting people on the national, even international level. And so we went to nationals and I was about 14 at that time. And I went there and I ended up getting bronze. And when I was younger, I actually was recruited by an Olympic coach who saw my potential and asked me to come down to Miami. And everybody knew Miami as a hotspot for athletes. Several national team members were there. International athletes were there. And when I turned 18, just graduated high school, that was when I made that moment in my career to say, all right, well, if I ever want to do something with this sport, I have to, I have to move down there. So when I graduated, I moved down there and then I, I pursued my Olympic dream. I, it was four years till 2012 Olympics. And my coach said, you have to dedicate yourself. You have to, you know, grind and persevere. And regardless if we get there or not, I want you to commit to those four years. And God is good. I committed myself. I competed on, at Worlds, doing really well to where I was able to be chosen for that Olympic Games. And then I went on to winning the bronze medal there. That's such an amazing story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my God. So let's go back a little bit. And as a kid, did you ever think that when you took that first Taekwondo class that like, I could do this professionally. I want to do this every day. No, I didn't. Again, it was Taekwondo was more of a family affair. One of the things that I really enjoyed when I was younger was actually dance. So I was not only doing Taekwondo three times a week. I was also doing dance more than Taekwondo, maybe five, six times a day with classes and everything like that. I had like six different types of dance classes I was doing a week. Um, and I really wanted to pursue that. But it was until I turned 18 um, where I saw that I could possibly have a better, you know, uh, opportunity with Taekwondo over dance. Um, that I chose to, you know, pursue that. But initially, no, I, I had no clue. I enjoyed what it, what, what it was, the, the family, the teammates, and the instructor, just overall the martial arts kind of um, values that they instill in you. Yeah, and I think that's a huge thing, right? Sports overall teach us so much about life outside of the sport and oh absolutely how do you think that prepared you everything that you had learned when you did move to Miami and start prepping and looking towards 2012 like how you know did you feel ready and what were some of those first steps that you took to start on that journey um some of the well the first thing that I did to start that journey was to move to Miami, Florida. Um, I have to say that a lot of my values and a lot of my um, character, characteristics that I have is because of my parents. Um, my father instilled in us that if you commit to, to something, you see it through. When I was younger and, and I had those like part-time jobs, I always wanted to quit, but my parents always told me like, you 
said that you were going to do it. So you need to just follow through. And so I knew that already mentally that if I was going to move down to Miami, I at least had to give up four years to see what would happen. Um, so that was the first step. And honestly, Coach Moreno, he himself, my instructor, is a three-time Olympian, two-time silver medalist. And so he had the right strategy and overall plan leading on for those four years. And a lot of people, when we talk about the Olympics, they don't understand the amount of work you have to do. A lot of, there's so many qualification levels to even just get your foot in the door um, to qualifying yourself. And so the, those four years, um, I went to international competitions, solely just trying to prove my worth, prove that I was the athlete in the U.S. to choose for that Olympic event. Um, at that time, there was no ranking system per se. So it was solely based off of selection. And I was fortunate enough to perform better than another athlete. And I also even went down two weight categories to prove that I was just as good as the Olympian that they chose firstly for the Olympics to where I ended up getting to finals with her and almost beating her, but <laughs> close. And when they saw that my, I was dedicated and I wanted to go to the Olympics, they chose me for the second spot. Now in Taekwondo, there's only four, there's only four athletes at that time that you were able to qualify two women and two males. And so they already chose Diana Lopez at that time. And they didn't know who that second person was. And then because of me fighting her and again, proving myself those whole four years, I was, I was chosen for that second person. And that probably felt so amazing. And I think something that you said there is, you know, talking about consistency and showing up mm -hmm. in that hard work and that ded dedication. And it's not, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's sacrifice. I think it's more like, you know, you're putting the money in the bank. You're choosing to do this because you have this goal and, that's where you know it separates the people that do want to give up and quit and people that do along the way in their paths and those that you know reach the olympics are those that yeah never quit. absolutely it's your number one priority you know even though it is it is uh my sport it, at that time it was my job whether or not was being paid or not but I took it as a job where I had to be consistent on a daily basis even if I was motivated or not I think one of the things of being disciplined, you know, regardless of how you feel, regardless of all the ups and downs that you face, that you stay consistent throughout your schedule. Yeah. And so let's talk about 2012. You make the team. 2012, you're going to London. How are you feeling? Oh, I was ecstatic. I still remember the last fight I had to, uh, I had to win in order to qualify myself. It was a team trials in Colorado Springs at the Olympic Training Center. And the person that I had to beat twice was Mia Abdallah, who herself was a former silver Olympic medalist. And I knew I had to beat her twice in order to make my uh, first Olympic berth. And I gave it all. <laughs> I gave it my all. And I just was able to pick her apart and dominate and which secured my position. And I think I'll forever remember that moment. Like it was yesterday, just finally being on the team and proving that all my hard work and dedication was worthwhile. Like 
can, you know, achieve your, your dreams. And the, the 2012 Olympics is still my favorite Olympics. Again, everything was new. Everything was grand, not knowing what it was going to be like, you know. And so uh, the first time you enter into the athlete village, you get to see all these amazing athletes in front of you. And the way we were taken care of, the city, uh, just the environment, it was, it was surreal. Oh, my God. It's something, I mean, I can only imagine. And overall, when you, you know, you had it, you had a good game. You had a yeah. good, <laughs> you did great, you know? Yeah, I did really well. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, that day, the very first day. So because there was no ranking, they kind of, um, I drew uh, the world champion of the previous year. Um, Sarah Stevens, and she was actually the favorite. She was from also the UK, so everybody was there to see her. They were even saying that the the Prince um, Henry was in the audience, you know, just to see her fight. So <laughs> she was my first fight. No pressure. <laughs> Again, this, yeah, no pressure. And I remember being in the holding area, and we're getting our gear and and putting on the system ready for our fight and I remember the announcer saying you know Sarah Stevenson in blue and I just the ground is shaking you know the crowd is cheering so loud that I could barely even hear my coach and then they're like and Paige McPherson <laughs> there's just crickets <laughs> like the, the two voices of my parents being like yay <laughs> But I just remember my coach because I was so nervous at that moment. And I was like, all right, coach, what do you want me to do? I'm about to fight the world champion. And generally, my my instructor tells us exactly what to do before. And he's like, Paige, I got nothing for you. And I'm like, what? You're going to leave me on this this crazy special day? And he's like, this is your your moment. This is exactly what we've been training for the last four years is to prove ourselves. And so go out there and show the world who you are. And I think those were the words that exactly what I needed through, for that day, because that's exactly what I did. You know, I went out there to prove that, you know, a, a small town girl from Sturgis, South Dakota, can be here at the Olympic Games and just pursue her dream. And again, I was very fortunate to win the bronze medal, um, although I didn't um, continue that day due to losing to the eventual silver medalist. Um, but overall, it was just a great moment. Yeah. And that's a, just a, an incredible first Olympic experience, probably overall, yeah, is to absolutely. walk away with that medal. And, you know, what were those lessons? Because then you made your second appearance in Rio. And how did that compare and that experience differ from London? Yeah, so once you experience your first Olympics, um, it's definitely an addiction. <laughs> After that, you want more. You want to go back. Um, and so I grinded again for another four years and was fortunate to qualify for Rio. And Rio, again, it was, it was magical in itself. Again, any Olympics is such an honor, that alone going to two. But I definitely had a different mindset when I was going in I kid you not I did everything mentally physically you know spiritually to get myself on top of that podium 
And so when I got there, I was so confident that I would get the gold because I had done everything to uh, say that I could. And the very first fight, my very first fight to a girl that I knew I had beaten before and I lost right off the bat, very first um, fight of the day. And I was, I was heartbroken. Um, I didn't know what happened. I was just so confused because I just thought that leading up to this Olympics through all the challenges that I had to face, like it, it made sense that I would get the gold. Right. Um, but I didn't. And in the end, you know, God is good. It was something, it was a life lesson that I needed because it changed my, my perspective, uh, perspective as to like, what am I really doing? Like, why am I competing? Am I competing for the hardware for the gold? Or am I competing because I love this sport? And once I had that perspective, it, it changed my, my next four years. Um, on my way to Tokyo, I mean, that was the best four years of my career. After Rio, I was able to become a vice world champion. Um, I won a Grand Prix. I, I medaled at several high caliber tournaments, beating the Olympic champion of 2016. And it was all based off of that one loss in Rio. And I would honestly say that I wouldn't be here today had I not lost in Rio because it gave me exactly what I needed to learn in order to be a better athlete overall. No, and I think sometimes, you know, we, you need, as athletes, we just need to be reminded of those moments of mm -hmm. the why and continuing to, why we, why we show up and why you're there and what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that sometimes, you know, all the training and all the hard work and all the sweat that you're putting in are great, but you sometimes just, it, it, it takes more than that. Yeah, absolutely. So the elephant in the room, <laughs> obviously the games are supposed to take place last year yeah now it's we're looking at 2021 and you were one of the first u.s athletes to qualify for tokyo back in january yep. 2020 so how was that because that's probably an emotional roller coaster you qualify and then all of a sudden you learn that the games are postponed oh absolutely especially coming off um a huge achievement in 2019 at the end of the year um i was fortunate to win the bronze medal at the Grand Prix final. Grand Prix final is top 16 in your uh, weight division, uh, two weight divisions combined for the Olympics. And I had, again, beaten such high names and I finally kind of felt myself. And I was looking forward to the Olympics because kind of once you're on that high, you do better um, leading, leading forward. And so when we found out that the Olympics was postponed, you know, everything stopped. And generally so in athletics, there's only a certain amount of times where you can peak, right? So we're, these entire time, we're trying to like hold off that peak until July. And then all of a sudden it just messes up our whole game plan. And, and generally so when you start to decline, your body kind of breaks down, it, it kind of relaxes and then you get injured a little bit more. Um, and so it was a struggle honestly, for the last couple of years to like maintain my high performance. Um, I, but at the same time, it was a blessing in disguise because leading up to the Olympics, I had several 
um, injuries that I had to deal with. And it's just based off of the sport, the wear and tear of it. Um, we compete, you know, three, four times a month and uh, nonstop. And so it was, it was difficult at first, but overall, I think it was the right thing to do, especially when we didn't know exactly what was going on with COVID and the regulations and whether it was, you know, detrimental or not. Uh, so at the end of the day, um, it, it was a blessing in disguise. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to this, this new year. Yeah. So how are you feeling right now? Because obviously we now we're less than 100 days to the game starting. Yeah. How are you feeling right now? What's your training look like? How are you preparing mentally for, you know, coming off of a year where you probably weren't competing as much and you had to, you know, probably take on some more training on your own? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as soon as they officially said that the Olympics is a go, back in March, I think that's when everybody kind of started to uh, focus a little bit more. Right now, um, we're in a phase of kind of cutting off the fat, such as we're, we're strictly focusing on tactics and techniques um, and strategy that is based off of um, the electronic scoring system, such as how to um, translate your kicking, endurance, your skill set to making points on the electronic system. So um, we're kind of tightening my skill set per se, not doing such a broad um, range of techniques. Mm -hmm. But overall, um, I'm focused even more. I always do this when I get to a closer event, especially a high caliber event, is that I become a little bit more quiet, more reserved. I don't go out and see my friends as much, even though I couldn't really with COVID. But I'm I'm sensing myself slowly honing in and, and focusing a little bit more as as this is the last leg of the race. Yeah. And you know, I think going into these games it's gonna be different because you you know, you talked about in London how you can hear the spectators, how you could hear your parents in the crowd and that's going to be a little bit yeah. different this time around. Yeah, exactly. So there are no foreign spectators. Um, and just due to COVID and their, their counts in Japan, I don't know if there will be spectators at all. Um, we'll know in June whether or not the citizens, the locals, are able to watch. But um, overall, I think we're all excited because at, at the end of the day, this is the Olympic Games, whether there are spectators or not. Um, just a chance to, again, be on top of the world is a huge opportunity and is so exciting. I honestly think that our performances will be even better because usually the best fights are when there's less pressure. And with the Olympics, the one thing that was different about them was that external pressure. And so in a weird way, not having that this time it will be interesting who comes on top because there is no um, external factor. And I feel like that's a really interesting point to make because it is. And it's probably one of those things where, I mean, the Olympics originally were to bring people together anyway. And after such a hard year across the world, like to have this opportunity where we're all able to kind of come together and cheer each other on 
virtually. Yeah, exactly. Even just, you know, for as athletes, for all of you to come together and be there. It's just the energy of all of that, of all of your hard work and everyone else's energy in the world coming together. I think that's going to bring some really awesome feels and vibes to the games. Yep, exactly. Do you have a piece of advice now? This is going to be your third time at the games for athletes making their Olympic debut. Hmm. I would say, I mean, I know it's a cliche, but there is no short shortcut to success. It, and it's true. If you want to do something, you're going to have to give 110% to whatever you want to achieve. And at the end of the day, I do believe that you have to not only upgrade your skill set, but upgrade your your character, your yourself. Essentially, you have to work on yourself, be a better person, be you know, challenge yourself outside of the physical part. It has to be mental as well. But at the end of the day, I always say that my strength comes from from the Lord. Um, without Him, I wouldn't be here today. And I I encourage people to. Although they have to prepare and they have to do everything physically possible, there will come a point in your career where you have to let go. You have to let go of the desire to win. You have to let go of the pressure um, that you will have to deal with and all those external factors that are not in your control. You have to let go of all of it and just be in the moment and enjoy what you love to do. How do you let go? How do you have a mindset practice? Like, how are you able to get in that zone? So I definitely have a routine on competition day. I always kind of say it's my my walk with God. Um, I'll I'll go into a corner and I'll pray and I'll try to um, zen myself. <laughs> Generally speaking, I don't listen to music where some athletes do to rev them up. It's all about calming myself and just trying to stay in the moment. Um, one of my mind coaches, uh, he always said to do a tongue twister when you're nervous, right? Because if you do a tongue twister, you have to focus on, on the phrase that you're saying or else you won't be able to say it. And so I actually do that whenever I get nervous or I hear those little voices in my head. I say it. And then I remind myself that I deserve to be here. I've put in the work and we'll see what happens, even though instead of a what if kind of mentality, even though we'll face so-and-so, I'm going to do something. Yeah, that's still showing up and being your best. Yeah. I think that's very important. And I think sometimes that is because I think a lot of times we do think of before competition you know, you need to get energized and revved up and all stuff. And for some people that works, but other times it is, you just need to be calm and collect collected and, yeah, <laughs> and get after it that way. And pretend like, I don't know, there's something about that calming energy that then helps you see us. That yeah. I, I think it's just finding your own routine with generally you'll find your own set of things you have to do on competition day through experience so over the years I've always found out that if I'm calm um, I perform better whereas others may need that extra energy so it's really about kind of focusing on yourself and knowing um, what you need to do in order to be 
your best for that competition day. So how, when you have been at the games and looking towards Tokyo, what does it mean to you to represent the USA in Tokyo and in London and in Rio? Oh, it's, it's a huge honor. Um, you definitely feel a change when you're there. Um, I, the best example would be at the, op at the opening ceremonies in 2012, 2016, is when we start chanting um, Team USA, USA uh, in the stadium, and you feel like this spirit. You feel this pride of representing something bigger than yourself. Generally speaking, we never see um, our fellow Team USA teammates until we get to the games and so everybody's just as excited everybody's just as motivated and when we're we come together it kind of feels like we're stronger we're stronger together so it's a huge honor to be a part of that sounds so so awesome and like I've yeah. I haven't been there I've only watched it on tv yeah <laughs> just even to see like the energy on your faces it looks like you know, just incredible because it's someone no one else is able to share that experience with you besides your fellows. And I feel like there's something about USA that I mean, at the end of the day, we're the team to beat. You know, when it comes to the Olympic Games, and everyone knows it. And whenever we arrive, we arrive to do business. And so that's what's so special about Team USA is that we're here to win. <laughs> that that's our number one priority. You know. Um, and, and you can see that from every single athlete on that team. And so it gives you it, um, motivation, even courage to shoot. I don't want to be that one person that doesn't. So it gives you that extra motivation. Yeah. I'm so excited to watch you because I also feel like Taekwondo, it is one of those really cool things because like yeah. said, there's the point system. It's very, I mean, it's amazing to watch. And yeah. I'm like, I have no idea how you do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a very dynamic sport. I, would, I always kind of give the example as it's a physical game of chess. There are certain techniques and certain types of caliber of um, power, per se, or leg control and manipulation that gives you um, more points. So kind of to break down Taekwondo in the Olympics. So there's three rounds, two minutes and a minute rest in between. Based off of the caliber of your kick, you are rewarded more points. So if you kick to the body, uh, it is two points. If you kick to the face, it's three points. But if you add a spin, um, you're rewarded two extra points to whatever technique it is. And then, you know, you can, with this game, you can kind of check and you can kind of fake in order to trap them. Um, you use your movement, you use your power, but at the same time, you can use your flexibility. So it's really an exciting sport to watch. I'm so excited. And Paige, I am so grateful that you took the time today to chat with me. Yeah, um, thank you for so having me. to hear your story. And where can the listeners follow along on your journey, journey and cheer you on in Tokyo? Yeah, so my Instagram, aka McPhears. I'm usually on that 24 seven. So you can follow me on that. And as well as Facebook, Paige McPherson. I appreciate all the love and support. No, and we'll be cheering you on. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening today. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating and review and be sure to tell your friends.
Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening. And please, please, please connect with the podcast on Instagram at Behind the Sweat Pod. Um, we've got some fun things happening over there, so make sure to check in with us and see all those things. And have an amazing Monday. Bye.